The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Apologies to everybody in the studio. I probably stink a little bit. We had another one of those press conferences where we're outside. The sun is just beating down on you. Just standing around like cattle. Listening to some coaches and some players talk about the camps. Fall camps, practices, getting ready for the season that starts in 19 days. You weren't out there for the full practice, so look at it that way. Otherwise, you really would have been sweating. No, I'm not going to go out and watch stretches and wide receiver drills. Been there, done that. I need way to use, too many years. Yeah, I need to use my time wisely. <laughs> Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and uh, Travion Berkland is with us today. No DG. Uh, today's my 32nd birthday, so let's just go ahead and get the gifts out of the way right now. Uh, I don't like to. Um, you know, like make a grand finale type of thing with gifts. You know, if it's my birthday party, just get out of the way. I'll open the things and then let's just go out and have a good time. Let's enjoy our time. So, Travion, I'll let you go first. Happy birthday, Mitch. I appreciate you be letting me be on the game. Uh, Yeah. Interesting gift in words. Hmm. Let's see here. What did I? Do? Oh no, I meant the ag- like actual gifts that you guys got me. Um, I'm not looking for tributes. I'm just looking for like you know envelopes with money. I worked morning sports. Allowed you to sleep in a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I didn't make myself clear. Stuff, you know, things wrapped mm-hmm. in wrapping mm-hmm. paper. I mm-hmm. maybe a bow on it. Mm-hmm. Well, I could give you money, but I'm super broke, so. <laughs> Get that up. I mean, one of the board ops. I mean, you knew for weeks this day was coming and uh, no envelope. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) I'll have to remember that for later. Troy? (laughs) What? Huh? What you got? Problem? Hmm? Issue? What? Hmm? I got a Guns N' Roses shirt you can have. (laughs) When When was this bought? Uh, sophomore year of high school. Yeah, what? It's probably a smaller medium, and uh, yeah, not gonna work. You can hulk your way through it. I'm getting there. Royals victory over the Dodgers. Does that qualify? No, it doesn't. And you, you know, just yeah, doing your day to day job. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I see how it is. Okay, you guys forgot my birthday. That's all. Yeah, uh, that's all you had to say. That's all you had to say. There was uh, there was one gift that was given to me on Saturday. Well, I should say multiple gifts. I, my sister gave me some stuff, some K State stuff, some new shorts, a K State cup, mm-hmm. a toy for my dog. Good, that's pretty cool. Uh, but uh, I think the real gift came from Skylar Thompson. the uh, The NFL Network had its nice little quadruple header. Yes, I should say. Well. For us, it was a triple header because the first game we got to watch on our own little CBS affiliate. Right. But the NFL Network all said Chiefs and, and Bears in that NFL or that uh, that Chiefs offense was clockwork on that first possession. Got it seven 
with um, Patrick Mahomes insisting that he played. He took a shot. I think that's what he was looking for most. It's just, I need somebody to hit me. I need mm-hmm. somebody to wake me up. Let me know it's football season. And then on the terrible field, just oh, yeah. in terrible shape at Soldier Field, the Chiefs end up losing. They score all their points in the first half. But it was Skylar Thompson. I really wanted him to have a moment. And he had himself a moment because no Tua Tonga Vailoa. No Teddy Bridgewater, which we were expecting no Teddy Bridgewater, but we thought, you know, maybe first game we might see a possession for Tua, and then it would move on. It was the it was the Skylar Thompson show the first time, and this is why I really wanted it. I wanted him to have this kind of moment, play the whole game, get a victory, and just personally have a great game. And he was able to check mark all the boxes. And I understand, just a preseason game, going against the twos and threes of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've won a world championship a couple of years ago. But the big reason why I wanted him to check all those boxes with this particular game is for somebody in his position, seventh-round draft pick, barely made it as a draft pick, it's really hard to climb out of that third-string position and get any sorting playing time outside of a preseason game. And these kind of moments, it is preseason, could be few and far between. Just depends on what the uh, the Dolphins decide to do. Might have their dress rehearsal game in week three. And we'll definitely have some playing time in the week two matchup that they'll have this week. But the reports I had been reading, and I check Twitter every day, what has Skylar Thompson been doing? Because if he is successful in training camp, of course, he's going to make the roster. He had such a good game. I would be shocked because they only have, I believe, now three quarterbacks on it, on the roster. He's going to make the team. But very, 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 very long shot he would get any playing time this season. And like I said, it's real. I can only think of Jacoby Brissett. That's the only quarterback I can think in my mind of what one point was a third-string quarterback and things just worked out that he got the opportunity and now he's signing millions of dollars deals for the Browns and now he's probably going to be the guy for the Browns because Deshaun Watson is a creeper. But Skyler was having so many great things being said about him. Mm-hmm. About how these beat writers were saying, man, his arm looks better than what we were expecting. He's just throwing strike after strike after strike to guys who are first string, second string, third string for these for the Miami Dolphins. He's been looking really good with just a couple of uh, just a couple of mistakes. And unfortunately, the NFL Network didn't have this game and I've been looking at the rest of the schedule. It doesn't look like they're going to have any of the other games either. Or NBC or ESPN won't be having any of the of the of the uh, Dolphins games. You'll have to snag the uh, NFL Plus feed, do the streaming. Maybe. Because I need to see Skyler play a you know, what he's going to be allowed to play for here on out, I want to see everything. I want to see the incomplete passes. But on Saturday, 20 for 28, 218 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. He didn't fumble the ball. He didn't throw a pick. And uh, he was sacked three times, but he also picked up a big third down on a run of 21 yards to keep the drive alive. 
The best run was in the second and third quarters. Had that throwing touchdown in the back of the end zone on a really nice route. He was so pumped up. That meant so much to him. Skylar Thompson's story is so interesting, and I think that's the, a little bit of the fuel to the fire of fans like us who want to see him have this success. I think that's why we're following his story, So at least especially me, of course, following his story so closely because, well, for one, we're rooting for him. He's a former Wildcat. He really had to grind the last couple of years of his career because of getting hurt in the Texas Tech game in 2020 and 2021 missing a handful of games when we thought he was done after the Southern Illinois injury. Mm-hmm. But he came back for Oklahoma, gets hurt again, comes back from the bowl game and has an amazing game against LSU. We are all rooting for him big time to see this game happen where he's going to have very few opportunities in the NFL, at least the way it feels right now. Who knows what's going to happen a couple of years down the road. But, you know, Wyatt Hubert is a great example of how quick a career can end. His story is his own. Skylar Thompson's is his own as well. So I'm going to take every moment like this and cherish it. I don't care if it's a preseason game. One of the things that I love about the fact that he's getting that opportunity and surprising people with the opportunity Let's be perfectly honest. Coming out of K-State, it was easy to pigeonhole him as a running quarterback, predominantly. It's part of why there's been so much discussion on whether or not the wide receivers will see more balls thrown this their way under Colin Klein than they did under Courtney Messingham the last few years. And that's part of what is intriguing about his story is that the national media and the media in Miami don't have a good handle on what Skyler really can do. Things that we saw in the limited slices of practices, things that we saw earlier in his career, but if you were paying attention just on an occasional opportunity to see the Cats, you didn't see that he had that arm. You did not get the chance to see him really open it up and throw deep at any point and for him to be able to do that in camp without any real pressure on him I think is outstanding that he got an opportunity in game action to do it and in a position where Miami's probably got some question marks now in what they're looking at at their number two I think there's no doubt Teddy Bridgewater will get that second string position unless he's hurt or something I don't know his story I mean I hope for Skyler's sake move out of the way Teddy let Skyler in there. Go ahead. I, it, it would be a bold move for them to go with Skyler at number two. I would admit that because Tua is going to be the guy at number one. And I think that they would probably like to avoid having a rookie as their number two. But the more he performs like he did on Saturday, it's got to be in the back of someone's mind. Right. But going back to what I said earlier, yes, I mean that whole preseason game was against twos and threes. Sure. So it wasn't. Tampa Bay's best defense but go back to previous practices just a couple of days leading up to that game in Tampa Bay Skylar Thompson against Tampa Bay's defense he threw three touchdowns and at least one of them was against their first string defense so yes you can make the argument well he's playing with a bunch of second and third strings against a bunch of second and third strings well every day in practice he's throwing strikes to first string guys 
And just a couple of days ago, he was performing very well against Tampa Bay's first-string and second-string defense. So even though in, in front of fans in an NFL stadium, on the road, in a preseason game, just because he wasn't facing the best Tampa Bay has to offer doesn't mean he hasn't shown already that he can at least practice really well against a first-string defense from another team. You know, and I chuckle at this because we've joked about Kyle Sloter, who played at UNC briefly, uh, and the fact that he has been able to fashion himself from being a backup at UNC, fashion himself a pro career, including the USFL stint this summer, but he's on a roster again here in camp. And he's the type of guy that will go out and perform well in the preseason and yet hasn't gotten that chance to stick on a roster full-time. It's been interesting. Skyler, I think, has got that edge on him. Either way, you love seeing guys like that get opportunities, you know, because they've been a part of your program. They've You've seen what they've been able to accomplish. And as you mentioned, we know how short those stints can be as well. Now, for other Wildcats this past weekend in, uh, in preseason games, I believe Timmy Horn for the Falcons forced a fumble mm-hmm. in a preseason game. Didn't I don't think we saw any Duke Shelley against the Chiefs. He He's with the Bears, and I don't think he played at all. At least if he did, he didn't record any stats. Also, speaking of not recording any stats, Elijah Lee. He did. He he started that game. He's as of right now chalked in his first string Sam linebacker. So he's you know like a first and second down linebacker for the Chiefs, and it didn't look like I, I was watching him pretty closely. He's number forty four, and I think there was one play he maybe overran it a little bit, but got some backup help and um you know stopped him at the line of scrimmage, but. He didn't have any tackles, but it didn't. He didn't play that bad. It was limited action. But, That's one way to look at right, it, right? But he also has uh, Leo Chanel behind him, who had himself a pretty good preseason game. And we will talk more of that preseason game, Chiefs and Bears, and looking forward to the mat- next matchup against the uh, Washington Commanders mm-hmm. at Arrowhead Stadium this week with Mitch Holtis coming up at four forty on Wednesday. Today on the show, in hour number two, we're going to hear from. Offensive coordinator of K-State, Colin Klein, he spoke to the media. Also later this hour, we're going to hear from Cooper Beebe. But coming up next, we started this on Friday, and we do it every year around this time. We preview every Big 12 football team, and today it's Oklahoma State, and we're going to hear from Robert Allen coming up next. It's time for stop number two on our trip through the Big 12 as we preview all of the Big 12 teams for the college football season of 2022. Our second stop takes us to Stillwater, Oklahoma, as we speak with Robert Allen from Pokes Report, and he's also the sideline reporter for the Cowboy Radio Network. Robert, greatly appreciate your time. Your Cowboys this season picked third in the Big 12 and ranked 12th in the country or 11th in the country, depending on the poll you look at. But am I seeing this right? Mike Gundy has you guys come out on Saturdays and Sundays for these press conferences? Uh, well, I'm there every day, so it doesn't matter what day he does to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he had a Saturday media availability last Saturday. Yes, that's correct. 
did Matt Walters teach you everything you know, or is it the other way around? Did you teach Matt Walters everything he knows? Matt Walters is a god. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, on Saturday before the uh, before the the broadcast starts, I say a little prayer uh, that Matt Walters will bless me and that I will do a good job that day because he's he's kind of my inspiration. I mean, I. I mean, Maddie. Maddie's the man. So you're saying those prayers are usually answered? Most of the time, because I'm still employed. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Allen is our guest as we preview Oklahoma State here in 2022. Uh, jumping quickly back to last year, rough. You know, rough finish, of course, in the Big 12 championship game. You guys make it to Arlington, but Baylor comes out with the victory. And, and leading into that game, I mean, Oklahoma State wins, and there's a shot at the college football playoff ranked fifth in the country. Going through your memory of the toughest losses you've experienced with Oklahoma State, that's got to be up there, isn't it? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, in the locker room, I had to go to my, my go-to guys. Uh, you know, Brock Martin, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, guys like that, uh, that, that, you know, you can talk to them. I mean, they, they were, they were disappointed too, but they, they were able to keep it together. That's, that's probably the worst locker room I've been in. Uh, I remember in 2011 at Ames, Iowa, that Friday night boss late in the year to Iowa State which I absolutely believe cost them a chance to play for the BCS National Championship. And Mike Gundy didn't, you know, he had Mac Butler, the director of operations, stop everybody at the door except for players and himself. Even the assistant coaches weren't allowed in. But a trainer and I both put our ears to the door and we could hear what he said. And what, what's repeatable was you guys will wake up in the morning and you'll see game day because this was a Friday night game and you're going to realize just how how bad this, this was tonight. But give these guys in the other locker room credit, Iowa State, they came out and did what they were supposed to and they had two weeks to prepare for you. So now you've got two weeks to prepare for Oklahoma to win a big 12 title do you know take them take what they did as a lesson and that team did they came out and beat oklahoma 44 to 14 i think in the bedlam game and won the big 12 still missed out on the bcs and, and you know what last year and guys i get i get tagged with being the pollyanna um you know i just pump sunshine all the time and um that was devastating, losing to Baylor. But going in, knowing he didn't have Jalen Warren, I didn't think he would play. He played one play, and Mike Gundy could tell he couldn't protect himself on that ankle and wouldn't let him play. And you didn't have your starting center, so your backup center's got to try and handle Ika, uh, you know, uh, Puna Ika, the nose tackle for Baylor. You're in a bad place. And they were. They still had a chance at the end. It would have been great. But here's my Pollyanna take on that. And maybe K-State, because I do feel a kindred spirit between Oklahoma State and K-State. I think our schools are a lot alike. The 
you know, the, the runner-up prize was to go to Arizona and play Notre Dame. That was on my personal bucket list to see Oklahoma State play Notre Dame. And I don't know that Notre Dame would have ever scheduled Oklahoma State outside of playing them in a bowl game. And uh, and they go out and they come back, biggest comeback win in school history, and you beat Notre Dame. You know, I'm I'm sure it would have been great to be in the CFP. I did see what Cincinnati, what their what their fate was against Alabama. So when I look back on that whole scenario, there's a little bit of regret, but there's a whole lot of wow, that was fun. Because that was fun in Arizona beating Notre Dame. So, long story on that, but I thought I would share that with my friends at K-State. Well, it totally leads me to my next question because you see Spencer Sanders throw what was four picks against uh, against Baylor and then turns around and has just an incredible game against Notre Dame. So heading into this season, when you think of Spencer Sanders, the fan base and everybody who has confidence in him, is confidence just sky high right now heading into the season at quarterback? Well, yeah, I think I think so. I think there's a lot of Oklahoma State fans that feel like you do. And I'm, I'm, I tell you, I, I hate that because if you look at Spencer's career overall, I mean, he was the all-conference quarterback last year. And, and – when he when he gets protected, when he has decent protection up front, when he has a decent running back playing alongside him, Spencer is that guy you saw in the Notre Dame game. You know, Jalen Warren was healed up and ready and played in the bowl game, and he was a difference maker. Uh, Cowboys didn't have to play against Ika. Now, the, the sad thing for this conference is Ika didn't go pro. So everybody's going to have to deal with that son of a gun nose guard at Baylor this year. And they got a transfer named Jackson Player from Tulsa that is going to play next to him that's pretty close. So just everybody get your offensive linemen beefed up and hope they're healthy when you play Baylor. And I know this isn't the Baylor preview. But to go back to your Spencer question, Spencer will be fine. I mean, he he is matured. Uh, now, if he has a game like he did against Baylor, and remember in that, that championship game, two of those were tip balls. One of them, the receiver still apologizes to this day. Um, and again, Spencer was running for his life in the game. So I can kind of forgive Spencer because I saw the other games last year and the difference maker he was. The, the thing is, Jalen Warren plays for Pittsburgh now. So Oklahoma State, to be really good this year, Mike Gundy and his staff have got – when Oklahoma State's good, they have a good running back. Yeah, It doesn't have to be Barry Sanders or Thurman Thomas. It doesn't have to be Kendall Hunter. Uh, but it has to be a good running back. And they're, they're in the process of trying to find that right now in fall camp. If they do, this offense will be really good. Spencer will be really good if they don't. They're going to have to go back to the drawing board. Spencer may have to be a runner. And you guys know what happens when your quarterback runs the ball a lot. The backup better be ready to go. Oh, yeah. We've uh, ran into a couple of things the last couple of years for sure about quarterback injuries. So Dominic Richardson isn't – is he chalked in at first string or is there a battle going on? No, No, gosh, no. There's a battle. I mean, Dominic hadn't done anything to earn that job. 
And the biggest problem is Dominic has has never been consistently healthy. He's missed games with injury issues. That position, you got to be tough as nails. I mean, Jalen Warren missed that one game against Baylor, and believe me, he tried everything he could to convince Gundy to let him play. Uh, he wants to play. You need a running back that's going to answer the, you know, hey, tape that up and let's go. And so I need to see that out of Dominic Richardson. He needs to prove that. If it's not that, then you've got uh, DeAndre Jackson, who transferred here from Texas A&M. He's starting to show that in practice. He's starting to make plays, and he looks like he might be, you know, one of those tough kind of guys. Ollie Gordon, the freshman from Euless Trinity. I mean, he's he's six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. Different kind of back than what Oklahoma State's had in a while, but he's a physical guy. So uh, Oklahoma State needs to find that that bell cow uh, twenty to twenty three carry a game um, son of a gun that that won't won't take plays off and won't sit out. And again, I love Dominic. But he's got to show he can be healthy and answer the answer the call each week. That's what you got to have. Robert Allen is our guest as we preview Oklahoma State football here on the game. So defensively, I kind of have an idea of Oklahoma State like K State should be pretty strong on the defensive like on the defensive line, but at linebacker and at, in the secondary, you might see some new names. You lose Malcolm Rodriguez. You lose a lot of your top tacklers from last year. Plus, you have a new defensive coordinator in Derek Mason. So, right now, what is the idea of the Oklahoma State D that was so good last year? That is, uh, right now, that's the joy and I think, everybody's life over in the west end zone of Boone Pickens Stadium. Defensive line is loaded. There's even some guys that uh, have matured, that were backups. Plus, you get Trace Ford back at that position where you already have Brock Martin and Colin Oliver. Tyler Lacey is now 300 pounds as a defensive end. In fact, uh, Derek Mason compared him to Kevin Williams, who played here a few years back and was a six-time pro bowler for the Minnesota Vikings. And Derek knows because he was an assistant with the Vikings when Kevin was playing there in uh, Minnesota. So he's going to play some inside too. And that stretches the depth as well on the defensive line. Um, linebackers, nobody, nobody that's going to be as good as, as Malcolm and, and Derek Harper. Um, Harper had three tackles, I think the other night for Dallas and Malcolm's become a, a, a cult hero with, uh, the HBO hard knocks series. Um, but the guys, there's four or five guys playing there, and they're all pretty talented. They've all got speed. And I think you'll kind of moneyball that position, use all those guys to kind of try and get the production you need. And then in the secondary, you're fine. I mean, the two corners that played the second half against Notre Dame were the backups, and they played because they were the best guys that day. And that's Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black. They're starters now. Uh, the backups behind them, Cam Smith and and uh, Demarco Jones are are really really good. And then at safety, you've got Jason Taylor, the second back. Uh, you've got Thomas Harper, who was a starter, part time starter, and played a lot. And then a, a redshirt freshman that was a, a four star, five star recruit that signed with A and M and begged off them 
and ended up at Oklahoma State. And Kendall Daniels is six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds at safety, and uh, and and he's he's a he's a real deal football player. So right now, defense generally wins most of the days of practice, and I don't think that's a real concern. Every time Mike Gundy gets asked about defense, kind of says, "Hey, I think we're going to be pretty good there," and I would tend to agree with him. I think the defense be it. Be as good, and and it could be, it could even end up being a little bit better than last year because I think they're faster as a group. Robert, I got a couple more questions before I let you go. I was looking at the schedule today for Oklahoma State, and you opened up the season September first against Central Michigan, which another tough one, right? I, when you think Central Michigan and Oklahoma State, you think back to 2016 and that hail mary. I mean, I'm sure every Oklahoma State fan will be thinking about that. That play that that probably shouldn't have happened, right? Uh, when when September first comes up, but the swing game. Do you have a game in mind that would be under that name, swing game? Well, I think the two hardest games on the schedule will be at K State and at Oklahoma. I'm a big K State believer. Uh, in fact, I, I all summer long I kept calling the God. I kept calling Matt Walters and telling him, "Man, you guys are going to be really good." Matt, you guys, if Adrian Martinez, you know, if Colin Klein can get Adrian Martinez to play the way I think he can, you guys are going to be really good. Every time I start saying that, Matt Walters says, shut up, shut up. And then at uh, Big 12 Media Days, I went up to uh, Chris Kleiman and I said, hey, Chris Kleiman, Robert Allen, I'm friends with Matt Walters, which he almost walked away when I said that, but I was able to keep him you know, in, in view. And I said, look, I've been telling Maddie all summer, you guys are going to be really good. He keeps telling me to shut up. And then Chris Kleiman looked at me and said, shut up. Let's <laughs> well, not jinx anything. I, what is this about you guys don't want to be bragged about or bragged on? But well, no, I, I, uh, I think K-State's going to be really good. Obviously, when you go to Oklahoma, that's a tough game. And I know everybody's saying, okay, what's the, what's the Baylor game? You guys open conference at Waco. Here's my scenario there, and I, I'm I'm big on these things. Oklahoma State plays three straight games at home non-conference. The toughest will be the Central Michigan game. Arizona State is in bad shape. Um, and then they have an open week. Then they go to Waco. That open week, Baylor, who already will have played in, in uh, Provo against uh, a very physical BYU team, They'll be in Ames, Iowa, taking on the Cyclones, who I don't know if you guys noticed, but when you go to Ames or when they come to your place, bruises happen and and broken bones sometimes happen. And the games are really physical because those dang Iowa State guys, I mean, they they don't do anything lightly. So I I like the scenario, even though OSU has to go to Waco, they'll get Baylor after an open week. Mike Gundy's been really good on open week scenarios. And Baylor's gonna there they'll they'll be into it for all it's worth the week before names. So I like that setup. I'd say the swing game is in Manhattan, Kansas. If the Cowboys win that one, they they'll they'll and they did do their business and took care of it in Baylor at Waco, that that K State game could be the one that says, Okay, okay, man, now now you're playing for all the marbles. But I, I believe K State's a legitimate Big Twelve uh conference 
threat to win the Big 12 Conference Championship. Yeah, Ames is always such a place to weird place to play. It's always a dogfight. Going back to your comment though about shutting up, don't let the world know that K State's going to be good this year. I mean, I think the secret's out. I talk well, to other people who say the same thing. So. Yeah, I, I think it is too to a certain extent. Like around here in Big Twelve country, yes, K State, you got to throw them in as a in the conversation, right, for a Big 12 championship, they're a dark horse, but you're not going to see them in the top 25 preseason well, AP or yeah, coaches. Yeah, the AP voters, the AP voters haven't heard, but you know what? They're, that's, that's a bunch of pompous media guys that sure. they, they, they vote for the Blue Bloods. I mean, you know, I was shocked Texas didn't make the top 25. That was an upset. Yeah, I, 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 I'm one of those fans. I just, I like being underestimated. I like sneaking in and being the surprise. And, and if, but you know, yes, the secret should so be does, out there, especially with Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, so does Chris Kleiman. That's why he was telling me because I'm with Matt. Shut up. <laughs> All right, Robert, I got one more question for you. Oklahoma sure. State. I know there's. You could throw five or six teams in there that have a shot of going all the way this year or at least making the Big 12 championship game. Is Oklahoma State going to be one of those teams in Arlington this year? You know what? If I get to share that field with the God on the other side, <laughs> that would be that would be one heck of a early Christmas present. Um, yeah, I think I, I think if um, if Spencer Sanders stays upright all season, and if Oklahoma State finds uh, a consistent answer at running back, if that's, you know, Dominic Richardson, if it ends up being DeAndre Jackson, or because uh, they've got a good change-up guy. Jaden Nixon is kind of their their um, their speedy, electric guy that can come in and make some big plays. I just don't think he's a constant in-between-the-tackles runner. So if they find that, Spencer stays upright. I'm not really worried about the defense. Then, yeah, I think there's a good chance they go back to uh, Arlington. But um, that's still that's still two big ifs, uh, especially if Spencer has to run the ball more. Because, um, you know, backup quarterback is either redshirt freshman Gunnar Gundy, coach's son, or true freshman Garrett Rangel. And they're, in a, they're locked in a battle right now to see who's going to be number two. So, yeah, you really need Spencer to stay healthy, and you need a good running back companion with him back there. Man, when it comes to Arlington, if K State were to make it, I don't. I think Oklahoma State is the team I don't want to see because that's been a tough draw these last three years for for Coach Kleiman. If it was Oklahoma, I'd be feeling much better, and I know that's weird to hear that. But uh, Coach Kleiman is two and one against Oklahoma. But I tell you what, Robert, the, the K State game is on October 29th. Maybe we need to catch up on October 27th. See where those two teams are, and then we'll really get into a discussion about how great of a game that's going to be in Manhattan on October 29th. I believe the last time, maybe it wasn't the last time we were in Manhattan, but it was like two trips ago. K-State was really in a bad place. We get up there, and before the game, I, I mean, everybody, the whole radio crew is saying, you guys go light on us. You know, come on, don't... And I mean, the next thing I know, Oklahoma State's going home with a pop knot on their head. So, hey, here's the thing. I always respect K-State. always respect Iowa State. Those are kind of my – and you throw Oklahoma State in, that's your, that's your blue-collar trio for the Big 12. So uh, I look forward to those games, but I also know that they're going to be battles. 
So that's kind of why I labeled it the swing game. It'll be uh, it'll be huge. So and it's close to Halloween. I don't know what that means, but we do we do wear orange and black in this part of the country. So it means weird things gonna gonna happen in uh, in Manhattan right. on October 29th. Robert, greatly appreciate your time. It was awesome to speak with you about Oklahoma State football. Look forward to talking to you in the future, and good luck this season. All right, appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. That's Robert Allen from Pokes Report, also the sideline reporter for the Cowboy Radio Network. When we come back here on the game, we're going to hear from offensive lineman Cooper Beebe next. Last season, Cooper Beebe, Kansas City, Kansas, went to Piper High School. Last season, after 13 starts, honorable mention, Big 12 Offensive Lineman of the Year. He was first team All-Big 12. And then entering this season, he's preseason All-Big 12, preseason All-American, and an Outland Trophy watch list member. He is a 6'4 junior. And now might be pulling a little double duty this season, maybe majority at left guard, but also swing back to his old position and play some left tackle, depending on the lineup. But earlier today, the media had a chance to catch up with a star of the team, offensive lineman Cooper Beebe. Okay, don't answer whatever the coaches want me to play. What do you prefer, tackle or guard? <laughs> um, personally, I would say guard. I just think I'm more built for it, and uh, you know, I enjoy being inside. You know, I enjoy manhandling dudes. It's a little easier than going against the quick guys on the outside. So I would say guard. Is it weird being back inside with all the traffic around you? Ah. Uh, not not really, a little bit. You know, it's obviously a lot different than going to tackle and having the spring and now fall camp at guard. You know, I've got used to it by now, but it was a little different coming back and changing into it. Who else has stood out in the middle of the offensive line this camp? I'd really say the dude that's really, a couple dudes that have really impressed me has been Taylor and, and Hadley. I think, you know, obviously Taylor coming off his injury, you know, getting back into it. You know, he's super explosive. He's super powerful. I'm, I'm excited to have him back. You know, and Hadley, he's just a hoss. I mean, he's huge. He manhandles people. So, you know, it's fun getting to play next to those two. What have you seen out of those guys, and particularly the left tackle spot that you've been playing? Now you've seen some of those guys out there. What have you seen exactly from them? Um, I've just seen a lot of growth, you know, just, you know, obviously watching them. You know, they're picking up the game. They're playing a lot faster. You know, they're communicating a lot better. You know, that's just after getting reps and reps and reps. You know, you see them really get comfortable with the position. It was something I struggled with when I first started playing. You can really see them start getting comfortable. How different is the offense with Adrian back there? It's a little different. He moves a little bit faster than Skyler does, so there's a different, couple different things. But, you know, it's not too different. How about Colin? What's, uh, what's he kind of bringing to the offense? Just a whole new different approach. You know, we're trying to run down people's throats. You know, if we can, you know, we're – keep defense on their heels, we're going to keep pushing the tempo, you know, we're going to, we're going to make dudes quiz this year, it's going to be fun to watch. Has there been growing pains with Adrian and his cadence? Uh, there's a few times, there's been a couple things you got to get used to, but, you know, for the most part, as long as you, you know, wait for whatever the cadence is, you'll be fine. From the incoming freshman? Um, I've actually been really impressed across the board. Um, a couple of dudes that really stay, stand out to me is Michael Capria and Jalen Clem, you know, as freshmen, you can see the real growth and you know and I kind of saw it in myself as a freshman you know they understand the game you know they're starting to play fast and you know it's 
it's been pretty impressive, but all, all around, I think the freshmen is probably the best group I've seen out of freshmen. On the defensive side of the ball, obviously you guys are going banging heads there in the middle. Is there anybody that has really kind of caught your eye that maybe you weren't expecting? Not necessarily inside, but one of the dudes that has definitely approved a ton is Brendan Mott. Um, you know, I, I still split time at tackle, you know, a couple reps there here and there. And you can tell he's, he's improved a lot. He's got a lot bigger. He's got a lot faster. You know, and he's somebody that's really improved from last year. And we talked a little bit last year about how you having to go up against Felix and Nate every single day in practice. How much better has that made you now that you've had to block those faster guys now kind of playing that guard position again? Um, it's definitely helped me just, you know, footwork-wise, having quick feet, you know. Obviously, the bigger dudes are a little, a little slower, but, you know, just having that quick feet going against them every day has just helped me and moved to the inside. Do you have a favorite Deuce Vaughn memory? Anything he's done that stands out to you? Honestly, my favorite was probably the third and long versus Stanford. Just running the inside zone, and he breaks it. You know, I get a jog off to the sideline. My job's done. You know, catch, get a drink. You know, that's probably one of my favorite memories. How much do you feel like your leadership role has expanded with obviously a number of guys from the O line from last year gone? I definitely think it's you know stepped out a lot. You know, I've the most experience on you know the offensive line right now, and I think. I've definitely stepped up in the role. You know, last year, obviously, we had Revis, Adler, Noah, you know, some of those guys. And we lost a huge part. But, you know, I think I've done a great job stepping up and filling that role. Noah was here for a long time. Is it kind of an adjustment to not have him around, maybe a little quieter around practice? Or what's that? Uh, yeah, you know, he was definitely, you know, some of the energy bringer, some of the comedy. But, you know, if anybody saw the Gilm, you know, he kind of brings the same little comedy and energy that, you know, the offensive line needs. You're not going to be copying Hayden with the mustache anytime soon? Um, you know, we kind of talked about as O line, I might get like a Fu Manchu look going or something like that, but you know, we haven't decided. We got to talk to my girlfriend first. <laughs> I know Cooper, we talked about a month ago when you said about how Coach Klein has just really changed this program with Coach Klein, too. What are you seeing out of this offense that really can take you guys and get you guys to that next step? You know, everybody's just buying in. I see, you know, people, one of the things that we always focus on is finish. And, you know, just looking back at last year, you know, we had plays where you stay on. A block, a couple more seconds. You know, we're springing 20 yarders, and I've seen starting just in camp, just dudes just want to finish more. You know, they're buying in, they're just giving it their all. That's something I'm glad to see. There you have it, Cooper BB. 21 starts in uh, in his career, and looking for at least at least 13 more for this upcoming season on an offensive line. I feel like heading into the season is good. I really hope they get to that next level and be great. All right, hour two of the game. We're going to have Colin Klein also talking with the media. AP preseason top 25 is out, but right now your local news is next.